Welcome to the Careers, Employability and Skills podcast from Queen's University, Belfast. This episode was recorded during the Washington Island Program Information Session, featuring Quiver, the Community Manager of the Washington Island Program, and Rojin Merhid, who is a past program participant from Queen's, and is hosted by Rory McGrillan from the Queen's Careers, Employability and Skills Department. Good afternoon, everyone. You're very welcome today at our Washington Island Program Information Session. My name is Roy McGrillan, and I work within the Global Opportunities Team at Queen's University. And we are kindly joined today by Quiva, who is the Community Manager for the Washington Island Program. And we're also joined today by a past program participants, a recent program participant, should I say, and a recent Queen's alumni, uh, Roshi Muirhead. Um, I'm now going to pass over to Quiva, who is going to begin the session. Uh, good after yeah, I think we're good afternoon, everyone. Thanks so much for joining um today. My name is Cleve Nuvoilagon. Um my journey with WIP started back in 2016. I was attending Dublin City University um, and didn't complete my degree in economics, politics, and law. I was really involved in charity work within uh Dublin City University and became chairperson of uh one of the biggest charity societies in our college. And following that, I heard about the Washington Ireland program through different alumni and events that were taking place on campus. I went over in 2016 and interned in the American Chemistry Council in the economics department there. And once I left college, um, I joined BMP Paribas, a corporate bank, and worked there for a number of months, and then came back to WIP as the recruitment and events coordinator which was supposed to be a temporary role. And I'm now with the organization for over two years. So my journey in WIP has seen me go from um, participating as a, a participant, then onto an active alumni engaging in events that would take place afterwards. And now having worked with the organization for two years, I'm a very big advocate of it. And I'm delighted that I get to speak to you about our work, what we do and how you can be involved in our organization. So luckily I'm joined by Roisin, um, on the line as well. Some of you may know Roisin through the student union work um, or may have come across her on campus or online, probably most likely on some Zoom intro sessions. And um, so you'll be hearing from Roisin um, later on in the session about her experience on the programme this year. So today's agenda, I'm basically going to talk to you about what the WIP programme is overall, what the typical programme is. We've been around for um, 26 years now and we've had over 730 alumni participate in the process who've all gone to do interesting diverse and wonderful things and um, i'm going to talk to you about that i'm also going to talk to you about the program that we developed this year and um, as a result of covid 19 and what happened with that you'll hear from roisin then at the end about her experience um, on the program and then we'll kind of open up to q a and things as well so just kind of kicking off about a general overview of WIP. Some of you may have um, friends, family who may have participated in the program um, and may have heard uh, different things about it. But fundamentally, it was founded in 1995 and its roots are actually based in Queens. Queens were the first uh, the university to kind of launch it. Um, it was developed in order to bring uh, Catholics and Protestants from Belfast um, over to Washington, D.C., in the hopes that they'd get a neutral experience so that when they came back and became political leaders that they would have a common shared experience and be able to work together obviously since then it's completely developed and is open to kind of um, a much more diverse spectrum of people the typical student who would have applied back then would have been someone doing law or politics and um, and now we have people who do medicine science engineering 
uh, arts, um, whatever you can imagine, we've had people participate in the programme and it also we've gone on to even more diverse fields of study. So each year we hope to take kind of 35 students abroad, 25 are usually based in DC and 10 are based in New York. So we expanded the programme last year to allow for more participants to take part and for us to invest um, more of our time and resources into the students. So fundamentally, when we look for that kind of ideal WIP student, we look for someone who, you know, is passionate about something. It doesn't matter what it is, it's, they need to be passionate about anything. Um, we want them to have just an interest that they've gone on to pursue it and have shown leadership potential in that area. So that could be involved in, you know, a local sports team. It could be involved in a college society. It could be you're the primary carer at home. It could be um, you've gone through your own struggles and have kind of come out as a leader in some shape or form. We also look for people with like a long standing commitment to service. So we not only believe that leadership is shown through action, but also in helping others. So we look for people who've also been involved in things in their community, in their home, and who um, who've kind of shown that throughout. Uh, we also look for people who are interested in dealing with difference. We pick 35 people you would never be friends with in a million years, that you'd never cross paths with, that you'd never have the opportunity to speak with, because most of us, um, as a comfort zone and natural human nature, we surround ourselves with people who you would never, who, who reflect what you view. So we challenge you on that and put you in a room and scenarios with people that you would never be um, with. And you have to be interested in dealing with difference. You have to be interested in learning from them and um, understanding where they're coming from, what um, struggles and challenges that they've gone through in their own journey that has led them to this point and has led them to think the way they think. We also look for people who are resilient. So not only when we go on the programme um, over to the US, it's, you know, extremely intense. And um, even on the virtual programme, we look for people who are resilient as it is extremely intense. You know, we ask a lot out of the participants um, on the programme and it's just something to be um, kind of mindful of that we, you know, you need to demonstrate a level of maturity in order to participate. So our, our fundamental thing comes down to three things. So we have a leadership curriculum, a service curriculum, and um, a work placement thing, which are kind of the main kind of cornerstones. So your typical work week in say DC or New York is you would work Monday to Thursday. On Friday, you would do leadership development training. So that would be bringing in external people from um, different uh, organizations we work with or working with your management team leaders who work with you directly and help you kind of outline what your kind of career ambitions are and your own personal ambitions. Every person we take on um, on the program has very different intentions. Some people are looking to know they might be in their final year and they want to get a job afterwards and they're looking to talk with people who are would help them in the next stage of their career. Other people are coming on the program who want to practice public speaking or are very quite shy individuals. We don't hire the 30 loud, we don't bring on like the 35 loudest people in the room. And um, we bring on people who are from very different backgrounds and who have very different ways of interacting. So everyone has very different goals and ambitions when they come on the program. And these days are really used to help you kind of hone in on what you want to achieve through the program. We also address a lot of issues to do with kind of Ireland and Northern Ireland, and also um, looking at a vision for a shared future. You know, there's a lot of talk at the moment when I went on the program, the Brexit vote actually went through um, and we had people crying. We had people uh, cheering. Some people voted in favour of it. Other people voted against. And, you know, being in environments like that when you're at such a turning point 
um, is quite challenging to deal with. So we really do get people to um, really reflect on their own views and work to build a positive, uh, so more solutions driven thing to challenges that they're facing. It's also, as I mentioned, kind of a lot about professional and personal development. So, you know, you get a very kind of hands on experience with your work placement and your management team, as I mentioned earlier, really works with you in order to develop and outline what your goals and ambitions are for the future. So it could be, I want to talk to someone in X particular field, or I want the opportunity to interview one of the guest speakers we would have on a weekly basis. And we'll make sure that kind of happens for you. And so that by the end of the experience, that you yourself can see a natural growth and progression um, and others in the group can see that too. So the work placements we have are quite diverse. There's something that's going to suit everyone. And um, we not only put people in work placements where we believe that they're going to benefit from, but also ones that are going to challenge them. So if someone comes up to me and says, oh, Quiva, I did a summer internship in KPMG in accounting. I really want to be an accountant. We might may not necessarily put you with another kind of business accountancy group. We might say, OK, we're actually going to put them on Capitol Hill. They're going to have to work with a Republican congressman or woman or senator. And we're going to see how they interact and adapt to that particular situation. So there could be people who, you know, they may be doing engineering and they may be have a really kind of keen interest in politics. We might do something like that. We have we have people on the program who have no interest in law, politics or anything that, you know, would really kind of be the typical stereotype that people imagine with. with. And we put people in situations where they can really be challenged. We've had people in like um, newspapers and we've had people in, say, the American uh, United States Holocaust Memorial Museum working on research stuff there. And we've had people work, say, this year with the Human Rights Commission and do bits about art. So there really is something for everyone. What we really want to know is what you're interested in, what you're passionate about, what you are interested in exploring. And the more open you are to different experiences, the better it gives us a chance to put you in a situation where we really feel you're going to benefit and thrive in. So they're just some of the examples. Another big part of the DC experience is the service partnerships. You know, you, New York is not all skyscrapers. And um, in DC, it's not all marble architecture. You know, there is a lot of poverty. And one of the biggest kind of poverty things over in the US that not many people over in the West are aware of is um, uh, food poverty. So one of the reasons why obesity is such an issue at the moment is there's not many kind of corner shops and um, a lot of fruit and vegetables is actually quite expensive over in the US and not many people have access to it. Like the cheapest place to eat are the Burger Kings and the McDonald's. And um, as a result, a lot of food banks are set up. So that picture there is of a food bank that I worked in. As part of the food bank, they had an urban garden as well that taught people how to grow vegetables in very small plots of land and allowed people in the community to come in and grow their own um, vegetables as well. So that's just something I was not aware of. It gave you a sense of like, we, we get to go around these extremely great offices. We get exclusive opportunities with high profile speakers. We get all of these incredible um, things, but in, in some way it isn't real life. So this kind of brings you back down to it. We do a lot of work with um, was it Entry Village Women's Shelter and um, Life Pieces to Masterpieces, which is a youth program as well. So you have a chance to not only kind of work in one specifically, but if you want, you can do a tour of a number of them and work with them over the eight weeks while you're there. So um, that was obviously one of my favourite parts of it as well. Another key part of our program, as I kind of briefly mentioned, was around building um, a shared vision for um, a shared island. And 
what we talk about and look at is issues that are facing our island and how we can both work together in order to develop a more and um, progressive future so we have like in that previous one there say Ireland 2040 one of the groups explored migration economy and cultural identity and this year we had some groups looking at climate change and um, was it the future of work and um, the future of um healthcare on a shared island just the things that kind of triggered as a result of the COVID-19 so we talk about extremely kind of topical issues the best way to describe it is probably the worst group project you could imagine because you're working with people who you you know you don't agree with who are from very different backgrounds you are but at the end it's all around kind of teamwork and compromise and fundamentally as well dealing with difference that and um, when you go out into the real working world you're going to be working with people who you do not agree with and you're going to have to try find compromise so a lot of the situations we give people and um, really reflect the work the work life you're going to have when you move on um, and leave Queens so what we hope to do kind of with every with paper is we do a launch so um, on the left hand side you'll see a, ma a man there in um, the suit and uh, not David in the in the chinos but that's Brian Patton so he's the executive director of the program and um, this was with paper launch we did back in 2018 and it's where we gathered a lot of the class who wrote those papers and um, allowed them to kind of outline them to some high uh, profile people within the sector that they were addressing. So that's something we really believe is we're giving people a platform to share their views and ideas that we don't just hide it away in a box and say, OK, that was great. Thanks so much for your help on that, that we really do give it to high profile policymakers who are in that sector. So that's one of the big things. So eligibility for the program. So one of the fundamental things is you do not necessarily need to have been um, born in the Republic of Ireland or Northern Ireland. You just need to consider it your home. The, the fundamental kind of requirement for visas to the US is um, you have to be a full time student. So you can be at undergrad level, master's level, PhD level. But fundamentally, you have to be a full time student. So you can't be a part time master's program participant. You can't be um like uh, doing a part-time course it has to be full-time so that's the only kind of massive requirement obviously you need to be 18 and um, before you go away you need to have a valid passport and that's just purely for the visa process and um, you have to be willing to participate in the whole program so you can't turn around to me and say oh Quiv, i'm actually going to ibiza with the gals or the lads in uh, the end of june so i'm gonna have to take a week off here or something you know these these places are extremely and sought after so if you can commit fully to the program then we're going to give it to another person so that's just something to be mindful of obviously as i had mentioned you know service is a huge element of the program so we get people to do service hours working with local community partners and um, before they go away and then they do a substantial service project before they come home um, and it kind of interlinks with the project that you do over in the us so there could be some learnings you take from there and bring home and um, so that's something to be mindful of um then now i'm going to move you on to whip 2020 so um this is a picture of how our summer really looked so we were on zoom calls as you can imagine for the lot so back in march we had a launch event of the whip class so each year we do a launch event and we get um show off the participants that we have in the class we have a big discussion around uh the future of the island and then we were hit with um the the like the reality that you know Ireland was going into lockdown loads of events were cancelled Brian was supposed to be in the White House for the Shamrock and um, passing over with uh, President Trump that got cancelled he was supposed to be at 
a speaker's, uh, the speaker's lunch um, with Nancy Pelosi, that got cancelled. The British Embassy cancelled their event. So that whole week of St. Patrick's Week, which is usually back-to-back events, all got cancelled. And then we had to make a very quick decision on would we just pack up whip and not do anything and just say we all get furloughed and then come back in 2021 when it all kind of dies down and we figure out what's happening. But we said no, that we were going to adapt um, and do something that was going to be of good. So um, what happened was we ended up doing 10 weeks. Normally we would do an eight week program. But as a result of uh, everything that had happened, we became a lot more hands on with the class than you normally would. So we picked we had 33 students. Some of the students weren't able and um, there's like two. It should have been, say, 35 Two of the students weren't able to fully participate just d- due to the nature of and um, they had to um, like work for the summer or whatever it was. So we had 33 students that completed the program. Um, we had 47 leadership seminars. So what the leadership seminars were basically were speaker series. Usually when we are there for eight weeks, they would have one leadership discussion on a Tuesday with one kind of global leader. So over the course of the program, they would have met maybe with, say, 15 speakers max. And this summer they got to meet 47 speakers from across the globe. I'll touch on that kind of later on. But the, the volume of um, interactions they had with the speakers were was phenomenal. We did remote work placements. So we had eight work placements and that kind of got broken down into two different strands, which I'll touch on later. And also we had um, a new addition, which was um, alumni mentors. So we have a vast, really in-depth range of speakers and um, alumni participate in the programs from back in 1995 all the way to now. So one of our most say notable speakers would be um, notable alumni was be Leo Bradker, um, who's the Tonstone was uh, previously the youngest Taoiseach um, in the Republic of Ireland. So, you know, the wealth of um, people we have involved in the program is stark. So we gave people kind of um, the opportunity to be mentored. What that was based on was what the what the participants were actually interested in, what field they wanted to pursue. And it gave them the opportunity to not only link up with alumni who you never would have necessarily had that opportunity to do it, but also they themselves then linked those students up with other alumni or other people within their network and allowed them to explore more opportunities. I know a number of the participants have ended up getting roles and jobs afterwards from them. Have Other people have been guided on whether or not to go on and to do a master's afterwards or go on to do their PhD afterwards. So, and they've built up their own kind of connections within the network now. Um, so that's been uh, brilliant. So now we have um, fundamentally the program consisted of the speaker session. So how our week, our, our week um, during the Zoom calls all worked was each participant was given their work placement that they did um, Monday to Friday. And it was based on how many hours that they could commit to. We had some people who were working part time, you know, in shops, pharmacies and um, in a number of different homeless shelters, a number of different locations. And they their workplace and reflected how much they could commit to that. On Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday evenings, we did uh, leadership speaker sessions. So we would get um, different high pro- profile speakers to um, call in. We did a lot of kind of professional skills workshops. So we get once again alumni and external um, organizations who we would usually work with in the states to call in and run LinkedIn sessions, CV sessions, interview sessions, negotiation sessions. 
um, different things like that in order to get the um, students, particularly those interested in um, who are finishing college and looking to pursue a career, kind of trained up in order to do that. We also did um, debates and discussions. Obviously, that's extremely difficult to do on an online platform. Usually they're extremely intense and you, you may have someone shouting or um, getting upset. And, you know, we are very mindful that, you know, we when we turn off these cameras, uh, we can't be there to console someone or we can't be there to reprimand someone to that same extent. So we had extremely challenging conversations done on a virtual platform, which are really, really interesting. We also did um, the WIP papers, which is a core kind of part of the program and um, the group produced them um, by the end of the summer. So we did a lot of sessions on that. We also had, um, you know, they, the participants actually got kind of more one-to-one -one time with um, myself and some of the, the rest of the WIP staff than they normally would have. And um, just as a result of, we were extremely conscious that, you know, you have to build a community online. It's very difficult. So there was a lot of one-to-one um, -one mentorship, not only by their mentee, the mentors, but also by the WIP staff who they would engage with on a daily basis. So here's some uh, and examples of some of the speakers we had. So um, this is uh, the first one's like Ambassador Dame Karen Pierce. So some of you may know her um, as uh, the person who took over from uh, the previous ambassador who left kind of controversially after an email leak. Um, she was incredible. So she's actually Dame Karen Pierce. Um, Adrian Jones is from Goldman and Sachs. He was originally um, a sergeant in the Irish Army and um, left, went over to New York, went in on kind of like a graduate internship placement to Goldman and Sachs. And now he's one of the vice presidents of the organization. He's originally from Roscommon um, and was one of the big supporters. Um, anyone who's keeping up with US news knows that the election is taking place next week. So Jen O'Malley Dillon is Biden's campaign manager. She's formerly um, Barack Obama's deputy campaign manager as well. Originally in this election, she was Beto O'Rourke's campaign manager. So she's one of our board members, long-standing supporter of the program. Jen's absolutely phenomenal. So the group got to hear from her very like personally about what, what were her values and what led her to working with Biden on his campaign, the pressures that were happening as a result. She has two young daughters. Um, and all the, the jigs and the reels went on along that. So Jen, no matter whether you come in as an alumni or you participate in one of our forums, everyone eventually gets to hear from Jen and she's absolutely phenomenal. We had Rick Elias, who um, has a fascinating um, history. He's now has his own kind of um, multi-million company, Red Ventures, but what he in some way is very no well known for um, is he was one of the survivors of the Hudson plane crash. So. The plane that went down in the Hudson in New York. There's um, a film with Tom Hanks playing the Captain Sully, so some of you may have seen it. But Rick is very inspirational. He actually went on a plane that same day after the crash because he knew he would never get back on one again. And he's extremely um, inspirational person, and has gone on to do very very well for himself. Then we spoke with you know more close to home. We had Elizabeth Kenny Trudeau, who's actually the U.S. Consul General for. Um, Northern Ireland. So she's actually only down the road from um, Queen's University. Is it or Ormo Road? Yeah, she's she's not too far. I think 15 minute walk from Queen's. Um, and she's a very big advocate of the program. She originally started off um, doing communications in the State Department um, and was involved a lot in crisis management. And now she is um, the Consular General. So she was a fantastic uh, speaker we had. And also we had Dame Holmes, who, who originally, similar to Adrian, started off in Goldman Sachs 
as entry level, was very eager to go on and do more and ended up becoming one of the heads of HR there. He's now gone over to LA and has set up his own kind of HR company over there. And um, all the speakers we had were quite diverse, have gone on to do very different and interesting things. And I'm sure when we talk to Roisin, she'll be able to tell us about some of her favorite speakers that we've had. But um, as a result of being online, it's very difficult to get people in a room to speak with students. Um, but Zoom gave us access to so many different diverse people um, and allowed us to um, speak with to people not only in Washington, but in New York, in L.A., um, even Jen herself. To get Jen, five minutes of Jen's time is tough enough, but to get a full hour with Jen in the middle of a campaign is even more difficult. Um, so, you know, you get access to so many great speakers. If you're interested in a particular field or you want to follow up with a speaker and speak with them directly about the path they've taken. All of the speakers are so interested in engaging with the students afterwards. Um, and that's one of the opportunities that we have that not many people do. You do not only get to ask them, oh, tell us about your career and what happened. And, um, you know, you ask them about what, what was your biggest failure? Did you have a turning point in your career where you didn't want to do that role anymore? And um, it's a fascinating opportunity that the group got to have this year. As, as I mentioned, you know, work placements, usually we would have people based across offices in New York and D.C., we had um, one of the students um, participating, he worked in the New York Comptroller's Office. So that's basically um, the Department of um, Finance um, in New York. So he worked there remotely for them. We had people work on, in the Irish Embassy in DC. We had people work on projects for the Northern Ireland Bureau and Roisin was one of them. We had people work for Share Future News, which is an online journalism platform, uh, the Northern Ireland Human Rights Commission, and the Holocaust Memorial Museum. And we basically gave the participants, based on the level of commitment they were able to give to these work placements, priority. So for some people, they worked in a role nine to five, Monday to Friday. Others, they worked maybe for half a day over the five days. Um, and for others, they worked on projects with a bigger group of people just because they themselves were working in their own kind of part time role at the time. So um, these were solid, solid bits of experience. And I'm not sure about some you on the call, but um, some of you may not have had the opportunity to do a work placement this year or this summer, or you may not have worked at all this summer just as a result of COVID-19. So these opportunities gave students the ability to work remotely and something that a lot of employers are going to be looking for, especially in light of COVID. And like this is not going to be the only virus of our time um, over the next number of years, is that um, this is a skill that people are going to be have to able to have, that they can work independently, that they can work remotely. And it's not just enough to have gone to college remotely. They're going to want to see that you can produce um, outputs constantly um, along strict time frames. So that's what these students got. They got the insight into what the future of work is going to look like, and it's going to become more and more online. So um, that's enough of me rambling on. Um, I'm going to pass you over to Roisin. Um, who's going to give you an insight into her experience and her work placement that she participated in and her speaker she heard from. And then I'm going to take on, I see there's loads of questions there. So while Roisin's speaking, I'll have a look at the questions and then I'll answer some of them after that. Roisin, over to you. Hi. Um... Yes, yeah, so I am the previous, I'm the previous alumni of WIP. I completed it this summer um, in a very different circumstances than um, I think we all expected. Um, so it was, it was a fantastic experience though, because they really revolutionized what it 
could have been and then what they made it into it was um fantastic um, and quite unprecedented so i actually started my role because i finished in queen's my degree um, in politics philosophy and economics um, and then i almost immediately started into my role in the students union so i'm the vice president at quality and diversity it's one of the six um, sabbatical roles that students can um, get elected to. So while I was doing that, I was um, participating in WIP. Um, and so we would have speaker sessions during the evening, um, as well as the work placement and the policy paper. So it was, it was very intense, but really enjoyable. And um, so I'll, I'll talk a bit about my work placement first. So I was working in the Northern Ireland Bureau. So this is the diplomatic mission of Northern Ireland in the US and Canada. So I was stationed in the DC office, um, virtually stationed, but um, and we were working on the communication side of it, especially there was a lot of staff turnover in the Bureau and our role was essentially to work on um, outreach and communication with Irish citizens in the US. Um, and looking at the weaknesses of the Bureau, so specifically in social media, they were quite far behind. So we worked on that um, building like a communications portfolio and mock-up um, and giving them some insights into how they could utilise social media um, to really engage with people that they couldn't reach in person um, in this new like virtual world. And it was, a, it was a very useful experience because it gave me an insight into um, something like marketing, which I never would have really gotten insight into before. Um, and it was really interesting to look at the politics side because I feel like a lot of people don't actually know what politicians do um, or diplomatic people do. So it was really interesting to see that they, <laughs> they actually had full diaries and they were working really hard behind the scenes. Um, so I'll talk now about my policy paper, which I really enjoyed. Um, I'm a bit of a nerd, so I love the <laughs> love the academia side of it. Um, I was in a, and um, there was four of us in the group, and I got to work with um, a student who is now doing a PhD in Princeton. So it was fascinating getting that insight into this level of um, intelligence that I had never even uh, seen before. So. Um, and then a couple of other people who had really different, diverse interests. So one was um, an actuary. And we worked on the econ economy post-COVID, um, particularly on unpaid care workers um, and how that they were like unrecognised and um, how the Irish government could work to kind of appreciate them more and recognise the, the work they put into the economy that's um, unpaid and some policy recommendations and reforms, um, which is fascinating and actually kind of put me in the direction of maybe doing a master's in policy and it'd be a really good foundation as I'll have like a previous work I can point to to say, you know, this is my, um, this is where I got the inspiration and motivation so it'll be really useful in future um, job applications. Um, and what, what else do I talk about? The speakers, um, speakers were amazing. You got to hear from all these incredible people. 
um, they <laughs> he didn't even know how they got to where they got because um, it was so inspiring with the CEOs and the leaders, especially um, I'm a big politics person, so I really enjoyed listening to Jenny Mally Dillon um, and I got to introduce myself and <laughs> it was a bit of a fangirl moment because um, she's the campaign manager for Biden. Um, so she's probably having an incredibly stressful week um, this week running up to the election, but fingers crossed that will go well. Um, and then very different, we heard from people like Patrick Wilson, who is a big Republican and works in private sector interests. Um, and he was just fascinating. He was probably the most controversial um, figure. He wasn't afraid to just um, voice his own opinion and engage in debate with the class. Um, so it was, it was brilliant hearing from these people. And then you got the um, you got to ask them questions and really understand like how they got to where they are today and um, what inspired them and motivated them to go for their different ideological positions. Um, Kiva, is there anything else I missed? I can't quite remember. No, I think I think I think all good. Um, I suppose if people have questions directly for Roshin at the end, um, we can address them. So I'm going to skip on and look at some of the different questions and just kind of address them. So some people are asking, is it open to postgrad students? Um, yes, it is, as long as it's a full-time course. So if you're doing a full-time master's and if you're doing a PhD, you're eligible to apply. Um, another big question is, will we still be running this year due to COVID? Um, we hope to run a hybrid model. So we'll be releasing kind of more information around that in November. Um, one of the uh, big um, parts of WIP is that we are funded through both private funding, but also through um, a number of government departments, both North and South, so through the Northern Ireland Executive, Department of Education um, and the Northern Ireland Bureau, as well as contributions from um, different universities across the island. Um, so we need to kind of fine tune our plan um, for that. So it's going to be a hybrid model. There's going to be different levels of intensity that people can participate in the programme. Um, but I'll be doing um, kind of a further call around that um, probably in November, but we'll be launching it in November. So um, currently we're in the process of liaising with different government departments around it at the moment. Um, then can international students apply? Yes, they can. Um, as long as you consider the island of Ireland your home, that um, that you feel that, you know, you want to stay in Ireland or Northern Ireland um, once you graduate, um, then you're eligible to apply. Um, is it, um, we've had people who have come from um, Lithuania, Nigeria, China, um, a number of different countries who participate in the programme. So um, whatever whatever you feel yourself, you are eligible to apply. Um, it's open to people from first year, second year, third year, fourth year, whatever year study you are. It's all based on what you've been involved with to date. So some people may find, oh gosh, I don't think I'm ready to apply. I don't think I have enough things on my CV that will um, make me eligible. What I would always recommend is apply, get feedback on your application, apply again, because you don't want to leave it until your final year, you apply and then you don't get it and you've wasted um, previous years by not applying. So I would say is apply, see how you get on, get the feedback from us because we do give like in-depth feedback afterwards um, and then see what um, happens there next. So I participate on the program when I was in second year. 
we've had when I was on the program there are people who are in first year of college as well so it just depends on you yourself and um, what can yeah if if you're graduating in 2021 yes you are eligible to apply and um, are you required to complete the service project um in New York or DC or do you have to be in Ireland so you can complete the big substantial program uh, project when you come home and um, but you can do it remotely so We've had people who've gone on to do masters over in the UK. We've gone to Australia, Canada, um, Singapore, you name it. They've gone and done it and they've done kind of remote work placements. So they themselves may have found an organization at home that they wanted to help remotely, be it like basic admin tasks or social media and um, or that uh, we have found a partnership organization that they could work with. So we do send a lot of people into different organizations that we work with um, directly on the ground to do some work. So the Belfast Interface Project is one that a lot of students who um, who are in Queens have participated with after the program. So you can do it remotely or you can do it in person, whatever suits you best. Are the internships paid? No, the internships aren't paid. Um, 40, the normal pro, say the normal program, 40%, it costs us 10,000 to bring one student abroad and um, for the eight weeks um and we like fundraise and um apply for funding for that that covers the cost so um your work placements are not paid as a result we usually give people a weekly stipend of uh, 120 dollars um, and 140 dollars if you're in new york just the standard uh the cost of living is more expensive in new york and um usually that's how we how we do it and um, we bring you over on uh, J1 uh, visa that basically is not the same as a normal J. We there's like two different types of J1 visas, and um, but we bring you over on a different type, so um, it's just easier for us to not to do that, so you don't get paid fund fundamentally. Is there a fee to join the program? Um, usually there is a fee of a thousand and a thousand two hundred pounds, and that covers your flights, your accommodation while you're over there. You live with host families. Um, it also covers um, your trip to New York. You go up there for um, between three to five days and your accommodation is all covered there. Your weekly stipend is covered in that. So if you add it up over the eight weeks, it actually covers the 1,200 that you pay. Also, 40% of the people who participate are on, the are, are on scholarships. So we covered the complete cost of it. So it's only those students who are allowed to afford, who can afford to pay it, pay it. Um, so I would always say, do not let finance be a barrier towards participation. If I didn't, I myself got the scholarship and if I didn't get the scholarship, there's no way I would have been able to do it. I've worked since I was 15 uh, and haven't stopped. So um, there's for like that as well, there's people who would need to work during the summer in order to pay their college fees. And um, so we do take all that stuff into consideration if you're receiving a scholarship in the college. So if you're um, on one of the access grants or you're getting uh, additional student support, you are automatically qualify for a scholarship. So don't worry about that. In the hybrid model, there won't necessarily be a huge substantial cost or anything like that either. So um, we'll have we'll talk about that thing then. Da, 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 da. I'm trying to look now. So when applications will open, so we hope to open them uh, towards the end of November and I'll do another session around like what that looks like and pass on all of the information uh, around that. So I'll be sharing a form at the end of this session that will give you um, the opportunity to join us for a number of our speaker sessions. As a result of COVID, we've been able to run a lot of remote sessions online with our alumni and with some high profile speakers based across the island of Ireland. So we have three speakers in 
uh, November that I'd love for some of you to join if you're interested in getting a sense of what WIP conversations and dialogues are like. Um, so I can send on information around that afterwards. Um, what is the biggest difference between the New York program and the Washington program? Um, the biggest difference I would say is the numbers are smaller in the New York program. So there's 10 people who go to New York. It's um, you live in NYU dorms. So you live in like some apartments with um, people. Your host families are basically high profile business people in New York who will bring you out for dinner or bring you out for lunch or something like that. Um, you are living in the heart of Manhattan while you're there. So, you know, it's a lot more freedom. Um, the New York placement is definitely more towards people who are interested in kind of business, the arts. We do have some diplomacy places um, in, I uh, think, but most of the kind of um, uh, politics ones are and stuff are in kind of uh, in Washington. So the, the, there's more a diversity of placements in Washington than there would be in New York. It's more kind of more business science engineering based ones are in New York and a lot more. You have a lot more freedom, I'd say, in New York than thing. I personally prefer D.C. purely because um, you the host family community was the biggest element I really enjoyed in it. So um, it depends what you're into. Some people don't like being around um, host families or like like having that independence of being able to go to Broadway. Uh, and stuff like that so everyone gets a chance to go to New York and everyone gets a chance to go to DC so um, it's just it's just a preference I suppose people have in the end and it's all you we don't choose someone based on okay we think they should go to New York it's all based on your work placement where we think the best work placement for you is um, if it's remote if it's remote you won't have to pay um, to, to pay ex, like an extreme amount to pay and um, to live over there um so Emma that's stressing you uh, so where do you apply so it's an online application it's very straightforward it's not about how smart you are it's not about where you're ranked in the class it's all about you yourself what you're interested in what you're passionate about challenges you've overcome in your life and um, both personally and professionally uh, for a lot of people this is their first experience of ever even doing a work placement and doing an internship and that's brilliant and that's one of the big things is Everyone goes with very different intentions and we hope to guide people through it as best we can during that process. So um, what are the major differences between strong and weak applications? So weak applications are generally very generic answers. So we want people to be as open and honest as possible. The more open and honest you are in your application, the better. We want it to be very um, tailored to you. Don't give us a spiel about what you think we want to hear. If you're writing your application going, oh gosh, this is way too in-depth or oh gosh, you know, they're not going to like this. Um, that would be the biggest thing is just being as open and honest as possible. Um, also, um, Rory and the careers department are brilliant in kind of CV prep and application prep. But one of the biggest things we look at is the STAR method of answering questions. So situation, task, action, result. And for us, the big thing is reflection. What have you learned from all these experiences that has made you the person you are today? That's what we care about. We don't care about what the situation is. We care about what you've learned and how that's helped you to become the person you are. So that's one of the biggest things. Um, can post students join the Queen's next year? Sorry. Um, yeah. So yeah, as long as you're in a full time course by the time um, you're applying, then you're you're good to go, basically. And um, it's that's purely for visa crimes. But for the hybrid model, um, we'll have to see what the different departments and stuff say to us around it. And um, the application hopefully will be open in, in November. Um, and we'll be closing it kind of later in January than we normally usually would have. So 
they're kind of the main kind of core things. So once again, I'll probably do another session uh, if Rory allows me to. Um, <laughs> talking more about the hybrid thing, but I'm just going to send a link now to a form. Uh, you'll see it at the top there, and that's just an expression of interest form. So by clicking that, it gives me um, a chance to give get your email and to send you out notifications about when our application is going live. So when I announce the applications are going live, they're getting sent to those people first. It'll also, I'll also send you on invitations to the guest speakers we have coming up in November. So we have um, Margaret Doyle from Deloitte, who's a partner in Deloitte, who's going to be speaking for the business people. We have um, Colm Hickey, who's the um, chief operations officer for the HSE. So he's going to be talking about all things COVID, I presume. Um, and then we have Mary gosh, what's Mary's last name? Um, Mary, who's head of the College of Physicians um, as well. So, you know, a really interesting panel and group. And um, yeah, it's going to be fascinating hearing from them. So, but, you know, what the biggest benefit for you from joining those conversations is it's going to give you a real sense of, you know, the types of conversations we have with these people, that they're not just generic conversations. They're kind of hard hitting conversations around their life, their journey, what has led them to this point and the challenges that they overcame to get there. Are there any speakers from the arts? The biggest thing, you know, uh, it's around get, like getting people in their time. We've had like journalists, we've had authors, we've had um, like quite a diverse range of people. But if you're interested in something specifically, we'll make sure you're the person that gets to interview them. And also if we know there's, if you reach out to us and say, I would love to hear from someone from this or this background, we take that on board and try to reach out to them in our network to try to get them. Obviously, we can reach out to as many people as we want, but they themselves have to come back and say, yes, I want to uh, speak with the group. So, yeah, we try to accommodate things like that. Um, hopefully, that's all I can give you. I'm going to send um, my email now into the chat. So if you have any specific questions that you feel I didn't answer um, through my ramblings, you can email me directly there. You can add me on LinkedIn as well if you want to message me directly and um, I'll ask, answer as best I can in a in a prompt time. So Rory, over to you, I think. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I hope you don't mind. Can I ask just Roshan uh, another question just in regards to your experience of the application and the selection process? So how did you find it? Me, sir? Oh, um, I found it good. It, the... Um, the interview was quite intimidating. It might be the first, it was the first time I had an interview. Um, but I prepared for it um, by reaching out. So if anyone, you can reach out to me if you have any questions, um, because it's, it's good to get an insight from previous people. Um, and if you want to get in touch with me, you can get in touch on the Students' Union website. But um, any tips I would have for the application itself <laughs> <laughs> is, um, just, I, I just, um, oh, what can I say? Um, I'd be quite detailed about like what you're passionate about and um, just things that have inspired you. Um, and spend good time on your application process because um, it takes longer than you expect it to. And I know I was applying it, I think, the day before the deadline, and it's good to a bit of extra time. <laughs> no, thank, thank you very much. And as Quiva mentioned uh, earlier, just in reference to the career service, so if you'd like to book an appointment with a careers consultant, uh, they can certainly take you through your, your CV. They can 
give you advice and information in terms of completing application forms. And also, if you are selected for the interviewer assessment center, uh, they can give you some excellent advice and you can book a, an appointment through uh, my future. Um, guys, just want to say on behalf of the Global Opportunities Team in Queens, thank you very much for your time today. The, the session was really, really interesting. It's uh, always great to hear from uh, recent participants on their first-hand experiences. I think in terms of the programme this year, you did an absolutely amazing job. And as you said, Quiva, it would have been very easy just to sort of shut up shop and uh, call it a close for until next year. But you know, in terms of the programme, the speakers, and the interaction you've had with the students, you know, it's, it's been absolutely fantastic. Um, guys, we're going to... there's. One more question just on our quiver before we finish up. I, I reach I reshared the link there. Um so you should be able to get the form now again. That's yeah, that's the and uh, no worries, no worries. Um yeah, and like that that's the thing. It's all around uh, re relating and adapting to the situation. And Roisin will be sick of me and the rest of the whip team saying that, but you know, being able to adapt to the environment and you know, you all are participating in college in such a difficult time. But, you know, uh, Rory and the rest of the team in the careers department are phenomenal. We have had so many, like, high-caliber students always come from Queens. Uh, and I've been working with Rory for three years now, Rory. That will probably scare you when I say that. But, um, you know, there's so many times I turn up to the interviews and Rory will know the people sitting on the couch with me because he's helped them or a member of the team has helped them in their interview prep and stuff. So utilize the resources. And, you know, I can be on the call with, say, 23 people but only two people will reach out to Rory and their team and they're the two that will come to interview so um, take the opportunities while you have them and it's been a pleasure to talk to you thank you so much for giving me your time this afternoon yeah thank you very much Quiva and Roshin thank you very much as well and the guys the final advice that I would say is that if someone does offer you a bit of assistance particularly your past participant I'd reach out to them and get some first-hand information but let's say there's uh, the links and the contact details are on there and uh, people will definitely organize another session whenever it suits yourself and we'll yep. keep in touch. So guys, yep. thanks very much for attending today and if you have any questions please feel free to reach out to us. Thanks very much. You have been listening to Find Your Future, a podcast from careers, employability and skills at Queen's University Belfast. For more career helps and advice, visit go.qb.ac.uk slash careers.